You're listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, the show that helps you communicate with confidence so you can stand out from the crowd and get noticed by all the right people. To subscribe to the show, go to thecmethod.com. Hello, my lovely superstar friend. This is episode 126 of the Stand Out Get Noticed podcast. It's Lizay Cantor's here, back on the show and filling in for my amazing sister Christina as she cruises around the United States, probably standing out and getting noticed like she does. If you're new to the show, welcome. I'm not the usual host and like I said before, I'm filling in for Christina. If you are a regular listener like I am, you'll know she's been invited to be a guest speaker at the podcast movement in Anaheim which was last weekend, and now she is on her way in a ridiculously huge caravan to Burning Man Festival. And I'm super jelly, jealous of her and her friends. She sent me a picture of her caravan yesterday, and it is huge. I think it sleeps about 12 people. So Chris, if you're listening, I hope you're having a wonderful time. So today... I'm going to introduce to you an amazing person who learned to communicate to large groups of people in a short amount of time. They are a fitness coach and they also happen to be my life partner and business partner, Bowie Stover. Let's get straight into the interview. So Bowie, tell me what you do. I'm a fitness coach. I mainly work with kettlebells, Russian style kettlebells to be precise. Um, And I... I'm the head coach of our online fitness and nutrition business, Fearless Movement Collective. So were you always able to communicate to your clients effectively? Uh, no. No, no, I was not. <laughs> um, before I became a coach, I hadn't really had any experience with um, communicating to a one person, let alone a group of 20 or more people. So it was um, a big learning curve. So what was your first experiences from doing your very first boot camp, was it? Yeah, so I um, I started uh, my training career running boot camp. So not only was I expected to um, run a big group of people, I had to shout at them while they were training. So <laughs> it was pretty interesting um, feeling comfortable shouting at people ha- while they happily trained around me. Uh, yeah, a bit different. Yeah, so was it challenging getting people to do what you told them to do, what oh, you wanted them to do? To start with, it was terrifying. I was given uh, two two sessions where I just run a single round within the training session held by uh, a more experienced trainer. And then after about all up 12 minutes of practice, I was thrown into my first boot camp session to run all all on myself. And it was um, terrifying and kind of a real fail. Um, (laughs) Not, not so much now when I think back on it, but at the time I was, I was so embarrassed and upset by the whole experience. I didn't know if I wanted to come back and do another session. I didn't know if I'd be able to handle it at all. So how did you learn how to get people to actually listen to you? Well, I actually started attending boot camps by the other trainers who I worked with. So I put myself into the situation of the client 
so that when the trainer came around and communicated with me with what was happening in the session, uh, I was able to feel the way that they wanted to make me feel and from that understand and be able to put it into a perspective that I could turn around and make it my own to convey the same sort of feeling and the same sort of uh, way of supporting the client. So you would call those people your mentors? Um, kind of. I wouldn't say mentors. I've had some pretty significant mentors in my time. They were more guides, I guess. I would say they didn't. They didn't um, leave a lasting impact on my training style. I don't think um, so much as like the people that I've learned to become a kettlebell trainer through and stuff like that. But they definitely were teachers along the way. Nice. So what was your very first boot camp like? Well, I think there was about maybe 15 women there who had been going along to these sessions for like between six months to two years. So they were quite um, common and frequent members. And I remember walking in and they were sitting around chatting and it was about 15 minutes to go before the session started. And I was trying to you know, act confident and be chatty. But I think I was so awkward that everyone was just kind of looking at me a little sideways and um, not really paying attention uh, to what I was saying. So when session came to start and I, you know, tried to grab their attention, like, hey guys, you know, we're going to get started. Everyone just kind of glanced at me a little and then just kept on talking. And I froze and I thought to myself, like, oh no, how am I going to get these people's attention? They're looking at me like I'm just interrupting them, not like I was actually the coach. Uh, so, so they just they just looked at you and then just kept on talking? Yeah, they did. They just kept on talking. And I, and I was thinking to myself, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm such a failure. I can't get a group of people. And I was wearing like a trainer's shirt and everything. It wasn't like I didn't look like the trainer, but just the way I conducted myself, they – thought that they could just get away with acting like that. So it was quite confronting. How did you learn to actually get them to listen to you? Well, I had to change my approach. My In my first session, I was quite reserved. I kind of started and stammered. I didn't really speak with confidence. I didn't project my voice. I didn't have any energy. So I... I learned from watching the other coaches that I worked with to right from the very start approach the group as they walked in, call people by their names was a big one. People were, would acknowledge and respond to me communicating with them when I was directing my attention at them. And I found the more that I could learn their names, uh, whether it was before session or during the session, to specifically point them out, the easier it became and the quicker that people responded positively to me. But it, it all came down to speaking confidently at them, like making sure that if I was saying something to them, I was saying it like I knew exactly what I was talking about. I wasn't umming and ahhing and trying to demonstrate and exercise feebly and just <laughs> stuttering my way through it. It was straight up, just really direct this is what you're doing, this is how you do it, you've got this much time, let's go. There was no no room for questions, no room for people to stop and think that they could say no. So would you call that faking it till you're making it 
or did you really know what you were talking to them about? Well, I, I knew what I was talking about, but I guess I had to make myself believe that I knew what I was talking about. Like I felt because they'd been attending the boot camps for longer than I'd been a trainer, that they somehow knew more than me. Um, and like they didn't, they were there paying someone to coach them through the exercises. They didn't know, but their attitudes and their familiarity with the place really had me on the back foot to start with. Um, so I actually would practice an affirmation, uh, in my head and I would say it to myself before every boot camp, uh, to try and give myself that little bit of a boost, that little bit of a pep talk. Um, and it was, uh, I am confident, I am energy, I am a boot camp superstar. Oh, <laughs> it was so, so cheesy. That's a great <laughs> affirmation. It worked. I, I just kept telling myself that I knew, I knew what I was talking about. I understood. I understood the exercises. I knew what I was doing, but if I didn't believe what I was saying, then they weren't going to believe what I was saying. So it really just came down to knowing that I know what I was talking about. Mm, that's so important. I know Christina talks that, about that a lot on her podcast and in her workshops as well. It's believing in yourself and not assuming that everybody knows more than you. Yeah, that was the hardest thing for me. And to um, see it in a way where you are giving, you are giving them something. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, they were there paying for a training session, and I was there to deliver the training session. But I somehow, to start with, had it in my head that maybe my my training sessions weren't uh, of the quality that they expected, or something like that. Like they they somehow thought, or that I was a fraud. Because I was only new at being a trainer, and it's not really something that you get taught during your training certification to, you know, how to command a crowd. Not really a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So those affirmations must have helped you a lot. Were there any other tools that you used to help you have that confidence? Uh, the affirmations were great. I'd never practiced them before that, um, and I was quite surprised with how quickly they gave me confidence. But I think just being amongst it and becoming comfortable in that environment really was a big boost for me. So not running away and never wanting to come back and hiding my face in shame because of the first session that I ever did, but just knowing that it would it would get better. And it didn't take long. It may be about six weeks, but I was doing nine boot camps a week. So there was a lot of boot camps in that six weeks to <laughs> to um, fumble my way through to start with before I really kind of fell into my own style of uh, how to comfortably run the session without having to imitate another trainer. And then I just started having fun. I think I stopped dreading it and started thinking I could just have fun with it. So I started just being really goofy, I would dance and skip around through the sessions. I just put myself way out there. I thought if I was going to be uncomfortable, I may as well be as uncomfortable as I can make myself, but at the same time, making everyone else comfortable around me. And I think, yeah, just having fun and messing about with people got them to relax and it kind of really helped the whole situation. Yeah. I know Christina talks about dancing before she goes up on stage because that gets her body into a 
um, like a peak state. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Because it gives you energy when you jump around and you're having fun, it, it heightens your energy. Yeah. And having a high level of energy when you're talking to a group of people is is super important and it must be even more important when it comes to fitness training. You've got to be the energy. You've got to feed everyone's energy, especially within a boot camp because it's it's high-intensity interval training. So people are there to get pumped as hard as they can for 45 minutes it's an all-out effort so if you're if you're not up there above their energy level you just can't make it it doesn't become a fun session it's a drag so yeah I had you had to really just think of giving everyone your energy because that's what you had to do if someone else was flat you had to be up there and ready to pump them up and you had to be super excited for them and everything had to be amazing and you had to be really excited all the time while you were shouting at people and running around and just making it all happen so i went to the tony robbins unleash the power within i went there with christina and my mum a couple of years ago and it was just the same thing, like the way Tony Robbins would jump up and down and get everyone else jumping up and down. It was like, it pretty much was like a big boot camp that ran for like, you know, four days. Yeah, it was super high in energy. But I think that's the thing that got us through all of it, because if there wasn't that energy there, then we'd be bored and we'd be, you know, not really connected or, or um, listening really yeah in in like that sort of situation and in a training situation if you don't have energy then no one else does like it really is you've got to be that that kind of starting point that gets everyone else pumped even if they start the day or they start their session um you know happy and they're feeling good and they come in and they're like oh you know it's a good day and you know, whatever, if you're not like, yeah, oh my God, this is an amazing day. Look how good it is. You look fabulous, you know, and really just kind of, you've, you've almost got to be a little bit over the top with it. You can't just be like, oh, that's great. You know, nice to see you. It's really about taking it above and beyond to the next level. To the next level. Yeah. Yeah. Be twice as energetic then as, as the everyone the there. Yeah. You're responsible for that energy. So, what tips would you have for someone who's starting out, never had any experience talking to a group of people and getting them to listen to them? What would your main tip or tips be for them? I think be excited about what you're talking about. If, you, if you're passionate about something, then it grabs people's attention. If you're going to sit there and have a bit of a monotone or or have just um, a bit of a tired energy about it people were gonna are gonna reflect that it's or it's gonna it's gonna project onto people but if you can talk about something and you love it and you're passionate and everything you say is excited but not because you're forcing it it's because you're talking about what you love doing that that grabs people's attention. They want to listen. They want to listen to something that you're interested in because you're speaking about it in an interesting way. And I think that that was the biggest thing for me was reminding myself that I love training and I love moving. I love how the body moves. I love teaching people how the body moves. And as soon as I allowed myself to just be excited every session that I got to show people what they were capable of, it immediately kept people's attention. 
because I was just in constant awe. Like, like you did that squat. Did you see how good that was? That was incredible. Look at what your body does. You know? That would make me feel good too. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's – I just think being excited about what you're talking about makes all the difference. I, I actually love listening to people who are passionate about what they're talking about when they speak. Like I'm, I never really was that interested in space. And then we started listening to this podcast called Cosmic Vertigo. Cosmic Vertigo, yeah. About space and the way they talked about it. It was just so interesting to listen to because they were passionate about it. They're totally interested in space. Yeah, absolutely. You identify as gender non-binary. I was wondering if you could explain what that means to yeah. our listeners who don't know what non-binary is. Sure. So gender non-binary pretty much means that personally for myself, I don't feel that I fit within the normal cisgender of being male or female. Even though I was identified as female at birth, it's not how I as I see myself. So physically, my body happens to be of the female persuasion, but it's not who I see myself as a person. And I know that um, since being or since identifying as non-binary, you have encountered a f like many situations where people don't know how to communicate with you or don't know what is the appropriate thing to say to a non-binary person or to refer th to them as. And this is why I'm bringing it up on a communication uh, <laughs> podcast because um, sometimes getting things wrong can be offensive. Yeah, so Bo, could you please explain what are the do's and don'ts when it comes to talking to a non-binary person? Yeah, there's <laughs> there's a whole lot of don'ts. Um, <laughs> for sure, I think. And the reason I say that first is because it seems to be what most people tend to jump to when approaching someone who may be questionable within their gender. Um, big don'ts are asking about the, um, a person's genitals. You know, that's, that's a pretty big one that <laughs> I've experienced. And, um, I mean, Check it's the not the day. Yeah, not too long ago. Pretty much if it's not something you would ask a friend about their partner or a friend about themselves, it's really not cool to ask it about someone who identifies as non-binary because there's generally the same uh, social protocols um, exist for us as much as everyone else. Um, and it, you know, it may just be innocent curiosity that people would would ask questions like that, but it's just not appropriate to ask anyone. Um, I think that's really my biggest one. Don't be afraid to ask someone how they identify. It's not offensive to ask someone what their pronouns are. I, I've had experiences where people have made a presumption, um, which I find a little frustrating, whereas I think they've approached it thinking that they would offend me if they were to ask what, their, what my pronouns were which I, I appreciate. Like if someone's actually genuinely interested to say, you know, what do you call yourself and what are your pronouns? You know, you've just been respectful. And I think that's a huge thing that doesn't happen a lot. Okay, so 
Uh, how would you know if someone was non-binary and whether to ask them their pronouns? Like, do you say, what are your pronouns? Is that it? Yeah, I don't think you can ever tell necessarily if someone's obviously non-binary. Like, there's no, it's not like there's a specific look that a non-binary person may have. They could look like you. They could look like Chris. They could look like anyone that you know that's just a regular person. Um, in my experience, I I tend to ask people their binary. I don't like, what are your pronouns? You know, and some people may look at me a bit funny, but I guess just the community that you and I are involved in makes it uh, a lot more of a normal question than people not within the LGBTIQ community. I think it's definitely not as common or just there's not that same awareness. But yeah, I've, I've, there's, I've had many times where I've asked people what what pronouns they use just out of respect so that I know straight up not to misgender them. And what are your pronouns? Oh, my, So my pronouns are they and them. I know that confuses people because a they is not a singular um, person necessarily. So some people might not feel comfortable calling someone they because, I guess, grammatically, it's, grammatically it's incorrect. not right. And for some reason, in those sorts of situations, some people can be sticklers for grammar, even if they're not usually. That's, I don't know, an interesting occurrence that seems to happen. Like people are just resistant to referring to a well, one person as a they or a them. Okay, so thank you so much, Bo, for coming in and letting me ask you questions and letting our audience meet you. It's been great talking to you, Bo. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I'm just going to wrap up everything that we learned today on this podcast. So tip one is actively learn what it's like to be a client and how the trainer or the person speaking, how they make you feel. Copy the things that they do and incorporate it into how you present yourself in your own way. Tip two, affirmations. Tell yourself that you know what you're talking about because you do. Know that you know, believe in yourself and don't assume everyone knows more than you. Tip three, be the energy. Be twice as energetic as the people you are trying to engage. They aren't necessarily going to bring their own energy So you are going to be the energy for them and feed them their energy so they can get pumped about what you're passionate about and be excited about it too. Tip four, be passionate about what you're talking about. Even if you aren't really passionate about the next Monday morning meeting, find your passion about why you are doing what you're doing, how you can help people today, and that passion will will show through. Tip five, When meeting a non-binary person or someone you are not completely certain if they are of a cisgender, in other words, obviously identifying as a male identifying male or a female identifying female, it's completely polite and respectful to ask their pronouns. And the way you say that is, when meeting someone, what would you like to be called? Because they may be using the name they like to call themselves that weren't their given name at birth. And the second thing to ask would be, what pronouns do you use? Or what are your pronouns? Tip six, don't ask anything that you wouldn't ask any other person like what genitals do you have or is that your real name? A big thanks to Bowie Stover for sharing their story and being so open with us on the show. 
You can find out more about what they do if you go to fearlessmovement.co or you can simply go to the show notes at thecmethod.com slash Bowie. And before I go, I just want to say a huge thank you to Christina for her amazing podcast. It's helped me so much with my communication skills, especially when it comes to networking and public speaking. I went to one of her public speaking workshops just the other week and it was awesome. She pushed me out of my comfort zone and I was able to stand up in front of a small group of people and speak my truth. She inspired me to keep learning and keep getting better. Now I get to see all the hard work she puts into her podcast, her workshops and the energy she brings to all of the conferences and events she facilitates. And she brings so much passion and care to each one of her coaching clients. I couldn't be more proud of her. And I hope you enjoy her podcast as much as I do. If you've ever thought about hiring Chris to be your coach or facilitate an event or workshop for your company, I highly recommend her. Not just because she's my sister, but because she brings so much energy and love to everything that she does. Her quality of work is super high. Her expectations of her clients are super high and she's just a fantastic teacher. So thanks again, Chris, for bringing us all an amazing podcast, which we all get to listen to every week. Also, I want to thank you for listening and I hope you have a wonderful week. This is Lizay Cantors on Stand Out, Get Noticed, Take Care.